Will New York elect another indicted congressman? That's the question we asked in August of 2018. In November, we got the answer. Yes. Hi, I'm Philip Lumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Term Limits Movement for the week of October 7th, 2019. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. Now, less than a year later, Representative Chris Collins has pled guilty and resigned from his congressional seat. How does this happen? It's hardly the first time. Here to discuss the case is U.S. Tournament's Executive Director, Nick Tombalides. Hey, Nick. So the big news this week is um, Representative Chris Collins of New York. Uh, he pleaded guilty last week to conspiracy to commit securities fraud, lying to federal investigators, um, after he admitted passing private information about this company that he was on the board of Immunopharmaceuticals to his son to help him avoid losses. That is to say, insider trading, busted. He has pleaded guilty. He quit his seat. And, you know, in spite of while this was all going on, in the midst of this, he got reelected to uh, the U.S. Congress. Right. Yeah. And he spent about $1.8 million to do so, even though he knew he was guilty. And so he had to know that there was going to be repercussions down the line. And yet he took people's money, spent it, won, and uh, then dropped out less than a year later. What's fascinating, sometimes the guys who are under indictment, they don't take people's money because they can't find it. Sometimes the guys who are in uh, legal trouble, what they'll do is they'll just finance the entire campaign or they'll finance a huge portion of the campaign out of their congressional office budget. They'll make the taxpayers pay for it. You can do that if you're an incumbent. you got the franking privilege. You can send out mailer after mailer after mailer. You can couch it as a quote-unquote constituent update, even though you're really using it to campaign. And you can send the bill to the taxpayers. That might be what That's he right. did. I mean, we'd have to go in and, and look at it. It's, right. Uh, well, Chris Collins is one of the richest people in the House. And so he could, of course, self-fund. But prior to his indictment, you know, he was naturally funded by all these special interests and PACs like everybody else. Um, post-indictment, a lot of the money came out of his own pocket. But he spent $1.8 million, and he had a challenger that had basically no money at all. He was a city councilman in a small town in western New York. And when the indictment came down, the other opposing party smelled blood, and the opposition to Chris Collins ended up spending roughly about the same amount of money, just a little bit less, and still lost to this indicted sitting congressman. I think it really says something about the power of an incumbent over a challenger, even when he's indicted, and even when the challenger has about an equal amount of money. Yeah. If the legal system can't take out an incumbent, how do we expect that the voting public is going to be able to do so? And as you noted, it's so rarely a question of, well, can we just replace him with another candidate? Often there are no candidates to replace him with, or there are no viable candidates. The Democrat who got on the ballot, their surrogates and their supporters didn't realize this was a competitive race until Collins had really gotten into hot water. So it's not as if the voters have a clean and easy mechanism they can use to remove a guy like this. Sadly, you have to wait until the feds show up and drag him kicking and screaming. Yep. Now, um, Representative Collins uh, faces a prison sentence of up to 10 years. Um, He was on the board of this company, an Australian company, that had a multiple sclerosis drug that it was working on. And the insider information was is that the trials for this drug uh, showed a failure. And that information was not public yet. So Congressman Collins immediately got on the phone and told his son, who told other people, and um, got people out of the stock before the news was public and the price of the stock collapsed. So he was really basically doing this on behalf of his son and other people. In fact, most of his staff also own this stock, by the way. 
<laughs> yeah, he was telling everybody about it. The question in court yeah. was, well, who did you talk to about this in Congress? And he, his, his response, because he's a complete moron, was, well, who haven't I talked to about it? <laughs> Seriously, though, like, I know what, what is what is the job of a congressman? It's it's to represent the people. Right. But I don't know a single person who believes that Congress actually does that. You know, there was a poll mm -hmm. Gallup did. One third of Americans say their own personal member of Congress is corrupt. A majority say most members of Congress are corrupt. And this is why. Mm -hmm. It's the land of temptation. A guy like Chris Collins gets an insider tip that this company's big drug is about to go bust. And what does he do? He knows his son is going to lose half a million bucks. That's a big chunk right. of change. So he sells his stock. It's almost human nature to do that. And we're never mm -hmm. going to change human nature. You know, there's going to come a time no. when all of a sudden Congress is filled with saints who aren't going to succumb to the pressure. What we have to do is change the rules so the normal people are prevented from going bad. And what's scary is the people we put in Congress are not unusual. They are American citizens from American homes, American families, American churches, American businesses. The difference is the atmosphere we place them in. We place them in a situation where they face this insurmountable pressure for self-dealing. How much corruption do you see on your local PTA or your Rotary Club or your uh, volunteer fire department? When something is fully understood to be about service over self, it works. But when it's a runaway train of gifts and goodies, it goes off the tracks. Hi, this is Scott Tillman, the National Field Director with U.S. Term Limits. We ask state legislators and candidates for state legislature to sign a pledge to help us term limit Congress. The pledge reads, I pledge that as a member of the state legislature, I will co-sponsor, vote for, and defend the resolution applying for an Article 5 convention for the sole purpose of enacting term limits on Congress. Most of us vote for our state House and Senate members and even year elections, but there are a few states with odd-year elections. Louisiana has odd-year elections, and they have a very light primary that's coming up Saturday, October 12th. Louisiana has a jungle primary. A jungle primary is an election where the candidates all appear together irrespective of party. One of the candidates gets over 50%, then that candidate wins. And if nobody gets over 50%, then the top two candidates proceed to a runoff election, which in Louisiana would take place on Saturday, November 16th. We now have over 100 Louisiana candidates who have pledged to support the resolution to term limit Congress. If you have access to a candidate, please ask them to sign our pledge. Pledges are available at termlimits.com. October 26th, Nick Tombolides, our executive director, and I will be at Politicon in Nashville, Tennessee. U.S. Term Limits will have a booth in the exhibit hall. Tickets are available at politicon.com. Contact us at termlimits.com if you would like more details on events where you can meet us to discuss term limits. President Trump complained about the committee chair term limits. Obviously, Republicans since the early 1990s have had a limit of three two-year terms on their committee chairs. And what this mm -hmm. produces is, uh, it's not real term limits, but what it does produce is some internal rotation, some freshness of ideas, allowing people right. who just get elected to have a chance to move up kind of quickly and participate, be part of the process. And now President yeah. Trump is talking about getting rid of it. But one of the things that I found heartening at the time, three weeks ago, was Leader McCarthy, the top-ranking Republican in the House, came out and said, no, I don't want yeah. to do this. He shot it down. He said there's benefit in new blood. Yeah, he shot it down. And now just a few weeks later, he seems to be getting sucked back into the vortex of the swamp and opening up to it again. It's very frustrating. You know, this, this rule of having tournaments on the committee chairs has been successful. 
And it's been successful for a lot of reasons and in a lot of ways. And, and so much so that we've seen this last year, a lot of the junior members of the Democratic caucus calling on their leadership to do the same thing. Because what happens is, is you get these long-term entrenched incumbents in these seats, um, which are the most powerful seats in the Congress, and they'll stay there forever. And of course, they've already been in the Congress for a couple decades, even get that job. And that keeps everybody below from being able to get that position. And of course, the connections and the relationships built between these powerful members and the special interests will never get severed any other way than without having a regular tournament. The argument for not having the term limits is just so stupid. It's like a few old geezers we like are going to leave if they lose their committee spots. Okay, great. So what? (laughs) Why should the public care? Uh, There are 20 committees in the House. There's uh, approximately 200 Republicans in Congress, 200 Republicans. That means at a given time, 90% of them won't be chairing anything. So the 10% of most senior career politicians get to stay forever while the other 180 Republicans have to wait their turn. It's a tyranny of the minority. And besides, the real reason Republicans have no committee chairs has nothing to do with term limits. It's because they broke their promises and lost control of the House to the Democrats. So now the majority party gets to govern. That's it. If Republicans want to win over the country again, the way to do it is not by trotting out these ancient Sasquatches who were elected 30 years ago. It's by showing the country newer, younger talent who are ready to shake things up. That's how it worked in 94 during the Republican Revolution, the Gingrich contract with America thing. Term limits, it's not just the right policy. It's also really brilliant politics, as we've learned. Well, they're doing this to appease individual lawmakers. It's a pretense to say they're trying to improve the way that the House is run. It's specific people that want to hold these positions. And for one person that's been agitating for this is Representative Kevin Brady of Texas, who took over the House Ways and Means Committee in November 2015 when Paul Ryan gave it up to become Speaker. Well, of course, now Brady is, still has the ranking position, but he's not, you know, he's in the minority party. So what he wants the rule change to be is that the tournament is for not to be the ranking member on the committee, but to actually be in the majority ranking committee member, um, which could really stretch that out tremendously and um, bogs down the, the House. It's basically just for his own self-interest because he wants to hold on to that power and he wants to be in office when he's in the majority, so he'll have increased power. And that's really all the argument is about. If you're wondering, though, how long uh, Kevin McCarthy is willing to stick to his principles, the answer is about three weeks. <laughs> when Trump came out with this idea, McCarthy was the first guy to shoot it down. He's like, oh, I love the idea of fresh blood. Mm-hmm. That sounds like something a vampire would say. I love the idea of fresh blood. He shot it down, and now just a few weeks later, he is changing his mind. He's having backroom meetings, backroom deals with the other members to try to work this out. You know, it's disgusting. It's just so symbolic of the problems we have with the swamp and why people are fed up. Hi, this is Stacey Selleck, Digital Director for U.S. Term Limits. I'm excited to announce that we're offering free digital online training classes to volunteers starting this week. You decide which classes to attend. Join us for just one or as many sessions as you want. Would you like to learn more about working on social media? Great, we'd love to have you. Do you have a passion for writing or graphics or maybe video production? Awesome, you'll get terrific experience doing what you love. Opportunities are also available for our press and data teams. All the classes are online 
check out the great webinars at termlimits.com digital. Nick, we've been carefully following the Democratic battle for the presidential nomination. And Ken Quinn <laughs> has done a great job for us in smoking out these candidates on their position of tournaments, and he's done it again. He was in New Hampshire and ran into uh, South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg and asked him about tournaments. And uh, let's hear it. Friday, Joe Biden said he opposes term limits for Congress because he believes the only way to get things done in Washington is with entrenched politicians who have all the power. Where do you stand on the term limit amendment yeah, of Congress? Yeah, term limits have created a lot of problems in the state legislatures that did it, I've noticed. Uh, it's one of these things that sounds great, and then you watch what happens when you actually get it done, and at least in my experience visiting states where they have it, uh, the more you have term limits, the more lobbyists become powerful. So what do you think, Nick? <laughs> I don't... <laughs> have you heard those before? I don't know. Uh he kind of reminds me of every like smarmy know-it-all kid I went to college with. Yeah, just making little pronouncements on Cliches. stuff without having the first clue what the hell he's talking about. No. It just strikes me as uh, as intellectually lazy to say, "Oh, hey, uh, even though a state like Florida is doing well, uh, it still has a couple problems. It's not perfect, so let's just blame term limits for all that." You know, yeah, I that's really I would ex I expect more out of my presidential candidates. I wish these guys would actually just go out and do their research and learn yeah. something about this issue instead of just pretending to know everything. Well, he said he did a little research. He visited these states. You know, he, the states I visited, they had had problems <laughs> apparently due to tournaments. Is that your approach when you visit a different state? Like, if you take your family on a vacation to Ohio, and there's a traffic light that's not working, do you just like? stare at the sky, shake your fist, and say, damn you, term limits. Like, what, is, what does that even mean? I know. I guess you do that if you're obsessed with keeping a position of power, uh, even though the citizens don't want you to. But, um, you know, we've stated on this podcast many times that when you look at rankings of states that have nothing to do with term limits, usually have to do with fiscal health or other uh, measures of efficiency, and you look at the way the states rank against each other, and the tournament states are crowded at the top of these rankings. They're well-run states, generally speaking. When these guys come out and say, oh, yeah, it didn't work in the states, they are not using any information of any kind to make those kind of um, statements. Um, it's very frustrating to hear that again. And the other cliche comes with that uh, tournaments power lobbyists. How many lobbyists are there in Washington? I think 12,000. 12,000 paid lobbyists who just storm the Capitol every day to, uh, you know, infect it like a disease. And mm -hmm. um, are those guys saying, hey, we really want term limits? They hate term limits. They hate of it. Of course they hate term limits. They hate it. Of they're, they're all against it. And by the way, lobbyists have a tendency to get exactly what they want. If those 12,000 lobbyists really wanted term limits, it would have been the law of the land 30 years ago. I'm still of waiting course. on the first lobbyist to come in here and tell me he wants to help me out. Has never right. happened, will never happen, because the currency, the stock and trade of lobbyists is relationships. Relationships. It's, it's, it's not what you know. It is all who you know. Who you know. That's right. That's what they have to sell. And tournaments sever those relationships in every district, every single six years or eight years or whatever, in every single district. That is such a frustration and limits their power so much due to the fact that their relationships are permanent. And once they're established and the money starts flowing and the Congress members start acting as expected, 
there's no end to it because congressmen can't lose elections. Term limits are everything in preventing that from happening. If you have term limits, you might get back to a point where lobbyists serve what their original intended purpose was, which was to be a source of information for legislators rather than having complete total power and control over them. That's right. There was one more thing I kind of wanted to mention, uh, Illinois. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we try yeah. to keep our listeners up to date on all the corruption stories in Illinois, but they're only 24 yeah. hours in a day, so we can't get yeah, to all of them. It's hard to keep up. This time, though, it's longtime state senator Martin Sandoval. His office was just raided by mm. the FBI, officials looking oh. into allegations. He steered business to certain firms in exchange for kickbacks. This comes after the indictment of 50-year alderman of Chicago, Ed Burke, for using extortion to steer clients to his own firm. You've got alderwoman Carrie Austin, 25 years in office, also under federal investigation. Senator Thomas Cullerton's been indicted recently for embezzlement from a labor union. There's, without question, a link between tenure and corruption. Illinois is the best proof of it. You know, Aristotle pointed this out in 350 BC. He said, People who hold office for a short tenure can hardly do as much harm as those with a long tenure, and we are constantly seeing that out of Illinois. It's interesting. We're going to continue monitoring it. Uh, we're going to continue finding recruiting volunteers out there to fight for term limits, uh, but they need it probably even more desperately than we do in Washington, D.C. It's, it's gotten really bad. This is a public service announcement. Do term limits cause jihad? Alabama congressional candidate Bob Rogers seems to think so. U.S. tournaments activist Shanna Shambly asked Rogers if he'd sign the U.S. tournaments pledge and support term limits if he were elected to the U.S. Congress. In a lot of ways, I like the idea of having term limits. The downside of that, and that's the only reason I would be hesitant and I want to look at this, if we have people like Ilan Omar of Minnesota, that comes in, I would hate for her to come in to the position that Shelby has, for example. Somebody like her. If Shelby had to leave his post because of term limits, it could allow the influx of Islamic people to come in. And the reason I say that, I say Islamic people, is because it's a theoretic ideology. There's no place in this country for that. And that is the bad part about term limits. Thank you for joining us for another episode of No Uncertain Terms. GOP leadership and powerful committee chairs, as well as naturally the interests they represent, are trying to weaken or abolish the only term limits we have in the U.S. Congress. Quickly, let's send a message to House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and tell him not to give in to entrenched Congress members who don't want to give up their grip on power. Please go to termlimits.com and under the Current Actions tab, you'll find one called Keep term limits on GOP committee chairs. There you can send Representative McCarthy a quick email. When done, please send or post a link to this action to others you know. Whenever a self-interested politician tries to undermine our term limits, they need to hear from us quick and loud. Thanks. We'll be back next week. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review. By the way, you know what I think is the biggest problem with this show?
the scarcity of Sacred Owls music. Why? Oh, no, they don't care. They don't believe in copyrights. No, copyrights are a conspiracy of the New World Order. Osceola's gonna get his head back tonight.